Amen. How many know you have a destiny? Make some noise and say amen. Come on, say amen. Are you guys happy to be in church? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad that you are here. Tell somebody, I'm glad that you are here. Oh, we are so happy to be in church today. Don't we love church, MPI? God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We are finishing out a section of the book of Ephesians. If you are new with us, you couldn't have picked a better time to be here. We have been going verse by verse through the entire book of Ephesians, and what we're doing right now is closing out a section that had 14 points. And I preached 15 messages out of those 14 points because I had to give a two-parter to one of them. So you guys are now going to conclude a section. That means next week we're going to go into another section, starting in verse 14, uh, 15. And so I want everyone reading the book of Ephesians. I want you to read the book of Ephesians because this is your church's assignment for you to understand what we're learning in the church. How many want to learn with the church? How many want to grow in your spiritual knowledge? Well, we've picked this book for 2017. I want you to learn it with us. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we're going to read what we've read many times. If you're new, like I said, we've gone over this. This is our 15th time, but it will be our last time in the sermon series, okay? So get your money's worth right now. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with how many spiritual blessings? With every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's why we sing today, or sang the song, that we are seated in heavenly places, and that we've never been closer to heaven than we are right now. So in Christ, you are in heavenly realms. You can't get closer to Jesus than that. In your mind, if you're thinking to yourself, I will be closer to Jesus when I get to heaven, then you don't know the relationship. Jesus has with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us now, and when you are in heaven, the only thing that's different is you don't have a sinful body. That's the only thing that's different. That's why God will speak to us through dreams and visions, because he will bypass the sinful body. The sinful body goes into the grave. Your spirit and soul goes to heaven. But in that moment, yes, it will be precious. Yes, it will be glorious. But let me tell you something. It will be familiar to those of us who are Christians. It will be familiar to be in his presence. You will not just be in his presence just crying and weeping passing out the whole time. You will stand in his presence. You will communicate with him and then you will be waiting like everyone else is to come back to rule and reign with Christ. Are you listening? So by the Holy Spirit you are this close to Jesus right now. By the Holy Spirit. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you are seated with him, as it says in Ephesians 2, in heavenly realms. That's why you're blessed if, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How does God see you in his sight right now? You are what? And you are what? Blameless. How do you see yourself? That's how you should see yourself. You shouldn't look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, man, look at all this acne. Look at me. And by the way, I'm 40 years old, and I still get breakouts. I don't even know how that is possible, but I can't wait to have a perfect body where there's no more breakouts, but I still get it. And that's why gringos like to get tans because we like to hide all of our blemishes, you know. And right now, man, I'm giving some of you Latinos and Latinas a run for your money. I love to get some color on my skin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, man, I'm dark enough. No, but this is how we roll as gringos. Okay, but listen to me. You got you got all these mistakes. You look at your, your bad hair days. You look at all the the things you do wrong, and those are true. Like if you mess up, you you do something wrong. God convicts you. But why does He convict you? Listen to the difference between conviction and condemnation. Some of you all need to get this. Conviction reminds you of who you are when you act like who you're not. That's what conviction is. God convicts you and goes, "You're not like that anymore. You shouldn't do that anymore." But what's condemnation? Condemnation tries to tell you what you're not, what you're not. You're not good enough. You can't do this Christian life. And that comes from the devil and from your own lies. And so don't believe the lies that you may come up with or from the devil. Stinking thinking. Get rid of that. Set your mind on the things of Christ. Put your mind in heavenly places and believe you are who God said you are. And whenever you sin, hear the conviction of the Lord saying, that's not who you are. You are a new creation. You were born again. You are holy and blameless in my sight. So live holy and blameless. Amen? 
Does my son have to first prove himself to be my son, or is he born and then by default my son? What comes first, proving it or being born? When you get born again, do you have to prove it? No, I am born a child of God. My actions now may prove it to the world or demonstrate it, yes, but to God it's already been done. And so the manifestation is the good fruit of my life and morality and those things. But what comes first, morality or being born again? Being born again. And you start day one holy and blameless. You're not running a race to try to be more holy, to try to be more blameless. You start the race at the finish line being holy and blameless. Now live like it. When you get a bottle of water, do you filter it before you drink it or do you trust that it's been filtered? How have you come into the Holy Spirit? Uh, How have you come into a new birth by the Holy Spirit? You come filtered. You come filtered. So therefore, if you're drinking a bottled water, some of y'all looking at me cray. This is all about the sermon series. There's all of them online and on our app, by the way, Metro Praise International. Download it right now. I helped a guy uh, to download it when I was getting some stuff at the cell phone store. Download that bad boy and listen to all these messages. You are holy and blameless in his sight. You don't filter the bottled water again. You get the bottle of water and you drink it and trust that it's been filtered. You don't need to get saved again, sanctified again. You are saved and sanctified. Are you listening? But when you sin, it's like a speck of dirt getting into that bottle of water. It's against the default. It's something that sticks out. It's obviously that doesn't belong there, and therefore you need to get rid of it. And that's what repentance is, going back to the default of being holy and blameless. It's like a pebble in your shoe. You know it doesn't belong. There is a difference between when a saint sins and when a sinner sins. A sinner sinning is like a pig in its mud, loving to be in that mud, doesn't know what it means to be clean. And every time it tries to do something good, it just gets itself more muddy and dirty. But a saint, when they sin, is like you. When you get into the mud, you want to get out of the mud. You want it to be clean. Come on, somebody. Jesus said you were clean. He said, my word is in you and you are clean. Jesus says, I see you holy and blameless in my sight. And when you see yourself sinless, you will sin less. When you see yourself clothed in the righteousness of Christ, you will live by the righteousness of Christ. When you see yourself holy, for he is holy, then you will live holy as he is holy. Can I hear an amen? Now, some of you want to hear about uh, other things that, that, that somehow that it's not natural to want to pursue the perfection of Christ, that nobody's perfect and you want to make excuses, but that's not what the Bible said. The Bible says he sees you holy and blameless because he wants you holy as he is holy, and he wants you perfect as his, as his heavenly Father is perfect. And so whenever we sin, we don't accept condemnation, who we're not. We accept conviction, who we are, and we walk in the paths of righteousness for his name say because he's leading us and anytime we face a temptation we can say lead me not into this temptation but what say it like you were good catholics come on somebody but lead me not into temptation but what deliver us from evil come on in love somebody say he loves us verse 5 in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through jesus christ in accordance with his pleasure and will are you a king's kid that's the only way you can get to heaven is if you're a king's kid Sinners don't go, king's kids do, uh, to heaven. You, you don't get to go to heaven and then become a saint. Saints are the ones that get to go to heaven. Sinners stay out. Sinners are punished because of Adam and Eve's sin and their choice to side on the, the side of rebellion. Do you want to stay in rebellion? Or like the prodigal son, do you want to come back home and receive your adoption and what you were created for? In love, God has made it all possible for you. If anyone goes to hell, it will be their fault. Hell is exactly what the sinner wants in the end, an eternity without God. It's like C.S. Lewis said, those who go to heaven have gone to heaven because they said to Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. Those who go to hell, because it's because they looked at God and said, not your will be done, but my will be done. Do you understand the difference? You are an autonomous being created in the image of God with free will. It's your choice. But like the uh, sister was singing, he chooses us, and then we choose him. That's how it works. God has said, I love the whole world, but the whole world is not going to heaven because the whole world hasn't believed in his only begotten son. The pain for the whole world's sin has been paid. It is already finished, paid in blood by the Son, Jesus Christ. How many are thankful for that? We reject the false doctrine.
doctrine of limited atonement taught by Calvinism. We believe in unlimited atonement that God so loved the world, the cosmos, every man, woman, and child in it, from ISIS to Belmont and Clark, the gay community, from Ellen DeGeneres to Oprah Winfrey to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. But it's only those who choose him are given the blessing of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a blessing for king's kids. The king's kids' blessing, the adoption to sonship, belongs to those who believe in Jesus Christ. And that's according to his pleasure and will. Why does he do it? Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God wants to show off his grace. Otherwise, he could have damned us to hell right with Adam and Eve. All the lineage that would have came after them would have been born into damnation, rightfully so, because we would have done the same in their place. They were our federal heads, as the Bible says, representing humanity. But yet God gave us a second chance, a second chance he did not give angels. We do not pray for the salvation of Satan and Beelzebub and the Lord of the flies and demons that mess with you in the night. We don't pray for them to be saved. Are you listening? We pray for their judgment to come. But to the praise of God's glorious grace, humanity gets a second chance. And so you and I should be living for the praise of God's glorious grace. Every day of your life, you should say, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for a sinner like me to make me a saint like you, that I can live holy and blameless according to your pleasure and will. I'm a trophy of your grace, a workmanship of your hands, created to do good works. Let's go, Jesus. That's how you should start your morning. Amen? Some of y'all don't think I start my morning like that. I've started my morning like that for 20 years. My voice message has always said it's a good day with Jesus. You can ask my wife every day, not some days, every day. Ask her if you think I'm lying to you. Bad days, funeral days, days I got money, days I have no money. Every day is a good day with Jesus. He said, my yoke is easy, my load is light. You find rest for your soul. If you are living a Christianity without a light yoke and an easy path and rest for your soul, you have followed something else, dear friend, and I pity you. If the Christians around the world can suffer for Jesus, many in Fox's Book of Martyrs during the time of persecution were being burned alive singing songs to Jesus. Why can't you sing a song to Jesus, you complaining thing, you? Come on. Some of you say, I can't get up in the morning and give God praise. I got too much on my mind. My friend, the reason why you can't give God praise is because you got so much on your mind. You better start with your mind on Jesus. Some of you say, I don't have time to pray. You can't afford not to pray. You need to start praising your way out of the disgust that you're in right now because of that attitude is why you have no altitude in the kingdom of God. What he's wanting you to do is be so heavenly minded that you can be earthly good. He says, you're seated with me in these heavenly realms and you're here to impact and change the world. As we've taught you in this sermon series, you are not, if you are a saint, you are not the woman at the well anymore. You are not the blind beggar. You are not the one seated by the pool of Bethesda. You are not somebody begging to hear from Jesus like, like son of David, have mercy on me. You are an adopted king's kid in the presence of God. When you pray, he answers. When there's two or three or more of you, he is there with you. And he promised that not even hell can separate you from his love. That's who you are in the gospel stories. You are the disciples of Christ. You are his children sharing in in his nature. This is what he adopted us for. My son doesn't have to beg for food. It's there. My son doesn't have to beg for clothes in my house. It's there. And the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I believe it. Do you? Come on, somebody. If you believe it, say, I receive it in Jesus' name. It says, when in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How many sins have been forgiven? All of them. Come on. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. How many are lavished in the grace of God? How many feel today like you're uh, from that show DuckTales? Well, I used to watch it when I was a kid, and it was the, the duck that would start off the show just jumping into piles of gold and just swimming all around. How many know that's grace today? Grace all up in your face. Grace all up in the place. Come on, somebody. You all remember those messages? Have you been to church? Come on. You have been lavished with grace, with all wisdom and understanding. Is there anything that you can ask God according to his will for your life that he won't let you know? He says, I've given you the wisdom. You ask, you shall receive. And I put this on Facebook yesterday with the staff. Listen to me, please. We have not because we ask not. We receive not because we wait not. Went right over many of your heads right there. 
Look at your life. If you don't have the kingdom promises of your life, it's just either one of two things. You haven't asked or you haven't waited. I'm waiting for 100,000. It's coming in Jesus' name. Don't feel sorry for me as a storefront preacher. I traded this for the churches down the road. Are you listening to me? Sometimes people stick up their nose and go down the road to another church. And I love churches in the city. I'm so glad we're not the only ones. But they'll get a little sassy with us. You know, people can get sassy. They'll stick up their nose, go to the church down the road and be like, oh, man, this church is so much better than Metro Praise. Look at Kids Town. Kids Town's got a rock climbing wall. And look at all the space they have. Listen to me. I left Kids Town to start this. You don't get it, do you? I paid a price for this. This is exactly where I want to be. But I'm asking for more. I know where I'm supposed to be in the plan of God, but I'm asking for more. And some of you need to show up at your job and say the same thing. This is where I know God placed me to be, but I'm asking for more. So we have not because we ask not. I put 100,000 on the board, and if by the time I breathe my last breath, if we haven't seen 100,000 on the board, then you will have learned one thing from this pastor, faithfulness. Faithfulness. We have not because we ask not. We ask not God to bless our businesses. We ask not God for his wisdom to bless our children. We ask not God to bless us on the streets and in our communities. We ask not God to bless us in our Congress and with our president. We have not as a nation, as a people, as a church, because we ask not. And then those of us who know to ask, we're throwing up prayers like wishing well, like quarters in a wishing well. It's because now we're not willing to wait upon the Lord and renew our strength and soar upon the wings as eagles. You have not because you ask not. You receive not because you wait not. Somebody say, I've asked. Somebody say, I'm waiting on the Lord. How many have received enough from the Lord to know right now it's worth waiting for? How many know it's worth waiting for? How many of you guys right now just know it's worth waiting for? I won't trade it for anything else. I won't trade it. I won't trade. You know I can preach. Come on, I ain't trading this for a thousand babies who don't want to serve God. Don't trade your purpose, single adults, for somebody who doesn't love Jesus. I'm already going through about three divorces with people that I've pastored over the years. Are you listening to me? It's not worth the heartache and the pain. Stay in the purpose of God. Stay where God wants you. He'll send you the right husband. He'll send you the right wife. He'll send you the right job. He'll do it his way in his time. We have not because we ask not. We receive not because we wait not. We have because we ask. We receive because we wait on the promises of the Lord. He had made known to me the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's not what you want. It's not what I want. It's not what I want for my children. Well, I want my children to go to U of I. I want them to grow up and have all of these. No, no, no. It's what does God want for my children? If God wants my children at U of I, amen. If God wants my children to join the, the persecuted church in ISIS, amen. If God wants my children to be a public school teacher, amen. It's all about Christ. Because verse 10, there will be a time where we all see it be put into effect. When the times reach the fulfillment, he will bring unity to how many things? All things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The kingdom is coming, choo-choo, with or without you. How many want to be with the kingdom? How many want to be with it? Amen. But it's coming with or without you. I want to be with it. Look at verse 11. This is my last time preaching it. You know I'm going to give it all I got. I'm not going to treat this like it's yesterday's news. Come on, this is important to me. Oh, I could keep you here all day how the book of Ephesians has blessed me. I listen to it every week on my rides. I read it all the time. I, every time I come to this book, and it's any book of the Bible, but this is just the one the Lord told us to do. Anytime I come to this book, even whatever situation I'm going through, this Bible speaks to me. I was dealing with some issues that I had, had never had before. Just some, just some things. I could wish I could get into it right now, but I can't even get, I wouldn't get to the message. But I hadn't dealt with these kind of things before. It was new to me, so I was riding my bike and listening to this. And there were literally parts of this book that just stuck out to me that I had not even seen before, not even related to this kind of a situation. I couldn't even have given you advice for a situation you would have been going through if it would have been like mine to even know to give you those scriptures because I had not even seen it that way. And y'all bored? Y'all bored with the Bible? Got time for Facebook but can't put your face in his book? Memorizing stats for people going to hell because they take a bat and hit a, hit, hit a ball over a fence and y'all can't memorize three scriptures? You wonder why you're busted and disgusted? Wonder why your kids don't live right? Wonder why your wife ain't right? Your husband's not right? Wondering why money don't work for you? You always just working for money? 
The Bible says, I have hid your word within my heart that I may not sin against you. The Bible says, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus says, my word, somebody say his words, is like a rock that a man built his house upon. And when the rains and the storms came, because listen to me, every one of you will face storms. He says, the man who built his house upon the rock, his house stood. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Why could Jesus go to the cross with joy? But some of y'all can't go to church tomorrow, uh, go to work tomorrow with joy. Why is that? Because Jesus knew the plan, see? And why is it somebody can go do a job that you would never think about doing, but they can go there with joy? I have a brother in the church, Carlos, yesterday, doing deep uh, plumbing into our toilets because they overflowed. He's doing it with joy, smile on his face because he knows the plan. It's about God. Why do you think Lester Bennington, 41 years old of Lincoln Park, took his life? Come on, somebody. Robin Williams, you guys would do anything to have their life. Some of you would trade your soul in a heartbeat. You watch these people on these reality shows. They would do anything to have 10, 20 million albums sold, $100 million in the bank like Robin Williams. Yet they, these people hang themselves, take their life. Come on, somebody. Well, it's because they didn't have a family. No, they had a family. Well, no, it's because they didn't do enough with their money. Oh, no, they invested. They did all these things. Well, they were on drugs. No, a lot of them got off drugs, and Robin Williams wasn't on drugs. Are you listening to me at that part of his life? When you don't know your purpose in life, you will be in despair no matter where you are. You don't know the purpose for sex. Sex will never make you happy. You know the purpose for it. You don't need to do it like the world, 60 shades of gray. You do it like Jesus, you'll be in a whole other level. Are you listening to me? But you don't know the purpose for sex. You'll never find enjoyment in it. You don't know the purpose for money. You don't know the plan. Somebody say, God's got a plan. Look at your neighbor and say, he's the man with the plan. See, you don't know the plan for money. You'll never be happy with money. You don't know the plan for relationships. You'll never be happy with your friends. You don't know the plan for education. You will never be happy. You don't know the plan for God and government. You'll never be happy in a nation. You have to tie and attach yourself to the plans of God who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we were the first to put our hope in Christ, how many are happy that Paul was one of the first to put his hope in Christ? How many are glad that 2,000 years ago people put their hope in Christ and handed us down the words of God? Might be for the praise of his glory and you also. Somebody say, it's talking about me now. And you also were included in Christ. You're included in Christ just like Paul was included in Christ. How many are happy about that? God doesn't have any favorites based on nationality or gender, but he favors those who favor his cause. I'm in the cause of Christ today. I am a favorite of Jesus. I am blessed. That's what blessed means, favorite of the Lord, happy of the Lord, one of God's favorites, adopted. Do you understand? Those are intimate words. Those aren't just for everybody today. They can be for everybody, but they don't apply to everybody. How many of those words apply to you? And you also were included. Somebody say, I was included in Christ. Amen. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed at that moment, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. How many have the Holy Spirit on the inside today? Read verse 14 with me together. One, two, three. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the last time you will hear that passage now in this sermon series. I hope that you have caught it. Because I just can't teach it. It's not just taught, it's caught. That's the sermon of Paul as he starts writing to the people of Ephesus. We've already did the first two verses for those who are wondering. Yes, we did Ephesians 1 and 2. And that talks about to the saints who are at Ephesus. Ephesus, those who are called according to its purpose. We, we research that and to understand how Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And how those people were once pagan worshipers, even in pagan temples where they practiced prostitution as a part of their religious duty and they practiced witchcraft and they came to Christ and they burned their witchcraft in the town square. Today's value worth over millions of dollars and here Paul starts off preaching to them through this wonderful letter and by God's grace I have given it to you in applicational form with exegetical hermeneutics as best as I could and I pray now that you get the conclusion of this passage which is why I'm asking you to read it every, day, every week and if you do it every day. That would be awesome. It only takes 20 minutes to read the whole book of Ephesians. You will understand it as an entire letter as we're going through it verse by verse. And today's message is you are God's possession. Somebody say, I'm God's possession. 
There is a redemption coming for the possessions of God. You are God's possession. We have covered all of these messages. All of them are online. What an amazing inheritance I can give this church, the preaching of the Word of God. I'm so thankful that God allowed us to do this. I am honored to be your pastor, and I hope that you've been honored to hear these messages because they have changed my life. The definitions for today's message are very simple. God and possession. How many of you know who God is? This is the blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. Possession, we know that word, and it applies in the biblical sense to people purchased by the blood of Christ. Look with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, to tie it together, the people of God. Somebody say the people of God. Thank you. I'll read through this quickly so I can go to some other verses, but I want you to notice as we go through the book of Ephesians, the possession of God here is revealed in the mystery of God, which is now it's not just for Jews, it's for Gentiles. God picked out a special person named Abraham to have a lineage of a holy people, a separate people, to bring forth the Messiah, preparing the way through the Mosaic law, and through that time, the prophets came and gave promises, and yet even in the midst of those promises, they were promising not only blessings for Israel, but for the whole world. By the time Jesus came, 4,000 years into human history at that time, he came and was proclaiming the word of God first to his people, but he said that there are other sheep not of this fold we must go get, and those are the Gentiles. At the Great Commission, which is the mission of the church in Matthew chapter 28, he now gave the marching orders based on the authority that he has, not only over the Jewish people as a Jewish king, but the whole entire world because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Are you listening? And from that authority, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of what? All the nations. And so today, there is a promise that God's possession is not based on ethnos. It's not based on your culture. It's not based on whether or not you were circumcised. It's not based on whether or not you come from the lineage of Abraham. Today we tie together the gospel message with Paul here in Jesus that it's for the whole world. Paul goes on in Ephesians 2.11. Remember Ephesus was a pagan colony of Rome serving Roman gods. He says, therefore remember that formerly you who were by Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by by those who call themselves circumcision, which is done in the body by hands. Now look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. If you're a Jew, you can say, no, nah, he ain't talking about me. But for everybody else, he's talking about you. The non-Jewish people, he says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. My heritage is Polish and Italian, separate from the things of God. Those of, of, of Latino descent, separate from the things of God. And it says, without hope and without God in the world. Without us going and bringing the gospel message, the Mayans, the Incans, every person that you've ever met is without God in the world, the true God, and that's why we do missions. Now, notice the difference between the word missions and colonization. I am not saying we go and become imperialists, taking over the world with the cross and a sword, but the gospel is the only hope to reveal the one true God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. And so these people, as us, with the Ephesians, were without hope, without God in the world. But somebody say, but. Come on, but now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, those of us here don't relate much to our ancestry anymore. We mostly relate to our country. So we as Americans are far from Christ. We don't get to have Christianity as our, our, our belief system just because our parents gave it to us or we check it off on a census. We may say we're Christians, but if we're not in Christ, we're far from God. And now the Bible says we have to repent. We have to believe the gospel, not because of a citizenship, not even because of our parents in the American heritage or wherever you've come from. The idea is only in Christ are you brought close to him and by his blood. Some may say amen. And so there are the promises of God for the people of God. Somebody say, that was the introduction. Are you ready for the message? Come on, y'all sad right now. Y'all ain't ready for the message. Y'all ready to close it up? We're done. We did church. We're done. Pastor preached at us, told us a bunch of things, offended some of my friends, and we're okay now, Pastor. Y'all want the message? Come on, somebody say, preach it. 
Can you encourage me like I was a person that needed encouragement? Because in case you forgot, I was a person that needed encouragement. Here are four passages on four passages on being God's possession. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 through 10. One of the most precious promises you'll ever hear in the Bible is that God says, You are his. You are his possession. We quoted at the beginning Psalm 23, and you heard me say, the Lord is my shepherd. But you know what's so amazing about that passage is at the end, what does it say? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You ever seen a sheep dwelling in a house? If you did, you probably met a crazy farmer. You ever see sheep coming on in? Dinner time. Come on in, sheep. Hop on the couch. I want everybody to look up at me, please. We are as foul to heaven as a sheep is to your house without Christ. Sinners, born depraved, sinful thoughts in our mind, anger, violence, perversion. You think a sheep coming into a house is some kind of oddity or strange thing. It would be. Think of this. Sinful humanity. Redeemed and bought by the blood of the God they sinned against. Brought to his heavenly places. You and I think we understand grace. We don't. The idea that God cares about you. The psalmist cried out, who is man that you care for him? The son of man that you look at him. God is love. You have never gone to the bottom of that statement, friends. You have never found the depth of that statement yet. You have never found the breadth of that statement yet. You have never found the height of that statement yet. The immeasurable, immense, audacious, gracious love of God. Oh, that it would capture my heart again. Some of us think that we just understood it as a sinner the day of redemption. My friends, I understand it now better. 20 years later than I ever did then. Because the more I know him, the more I realize I was nothing like him. I had no good in me for him to say, I want him. I want him. I want her as my possession. The more that I read of scripture, I'll be honest with you, not condemnation, but a great sense of awe of him as judge. That's why Isaiah cries out in Isaiah 6 when he sees him, Woe is me! I am undone, and I live in a land of undone people. The more I have known about God, I have understood I was nothing like him. There was no good in me. There was no human potential. There was no willpower. You can no more go to heavenly places than you could build a stairway to Pluto. It's impossible. The Bible says we were without God. And it wasn't that he abandoned us. It wasn't that he saw us and said, I don't love them anymore. I don't care for them anymore. It was that at every single turn, we abandoned him. We abandoned him in the garden over a serpent. We abandoned him over jealousy and killed our brother. You were there in that action because you've been jealous before. We were there in Noah's time saying, I don't want this God. I want to be God. We were there at the Tower of Babel saying we will be our own God. We will bypass his laws. And we were there nailing him to a cross, mocking him, saying, if you're really who you say you are, then just prove it then. Because this is my world, my life, and you're not good enough for me to believe in. We were all there. And yet he still loves us. 
And yet he says from that cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Literally, it would be like Bill Gates dressing up like you see in undercover bosses, dressing up like a beggar, being by the side of, of, of the you know, the Microsoft corporate office there in Seattle somewhere, being homeless and having everybody walk by him and ignore him and not pay attention to him, knowing full well he owns the whole entire thing. And yet God did that to see who would want him, not for some streets of gold, but want him because of love. That's why we didn't start off in the garden with God showing off to us. We started off in the garden in relationship. And how does it end? It ends with relationship. So it was always about the choice to love. If my wife doesn't have a choice to love me and I force her to love me and kidnap her, is that a good relationship? If God would have forced us to love him, would it have been a good relationship? No. See, but now we get a choice. Somebody say, I choose him because he chosen me. He's chose me. Come on, say, I choose him because he chose me. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people. What audacious things to say to former pagans, to God-rejectors, God-haters. But now we're a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's what? Special possession. See, the ones of you here that keep living in sin, it's because you don't know what sin did to our Savior. The ones of you here that don't love God is the ones here that don't know how much God has loved you. The ones here that don't love your neighbor, it's because you don't know what God has done for you. Everything you do in relationship to the commands of God is whether or not you believe God loves you and has a plan for your life and you're his special possession. You were made for this that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. I hope you get that. You were not a people. We were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And what he's talking about, Peter here, Peter is talking to the same kind of people that Paul's talking about. He is literally saying to them, we could have come and destroyed you. All you Mayans, all you Aztecs, all you Romans, all you Polish Europeans, we could have come and destroyed you like he did in Noah's flood, like he did in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. We could have conquered you with our king. You were not a people. You were of Babylon. You were of Egypt. But now God gives you mercy. Now God gives you mercy. I feel like as if I'm that Italian centurion where I've just nailed him to the cross. I've just mocked him. I've just spit on him. But now the, dark, the sky has turned dark at three in the afternoon. The earth has shook and the regret has hit my soul. This must have been the Son of God. How many of you have come to that place with the hammer still in your hand, the spittle still running down your cheek that you've been spitting upon him, the insults still upon your mouth, and then God says, I forgive you. You don't deserve it. Don't do it for your human potential. So often we think of the gospel like he's looking at us, like we're just a little broken thing that we can just be fixed a little bit. No, we were God-haters at enmity with God. You were God's enemy. What do you think Adam and Eve did to get kicked out of the Garden of Eden? What do you think they did? You think they, they beat up little children? They sinned one time. How many of you sinned, sir? How many of you sinned, ma'am? How many sins are against you towards the holy God? And yet he's merciful. He's kind. That's when I go street preaching. I let people know, oh, no. <laughs> Woo, hold on, hold on. Stop right here. I ain't begging you for this. You're not doing me a favor. Walk away if you want. I'm not chasing you down the road. Call me names. It's okay. You're not coming here to God because you are some thing that he owes this to. 
You're a wretched thing. But yet he doesn't see your human potential. He sees his grace worth the time. Worth your heart. It's him. I don't get saved even because I confessed Lord, Jesus is Lord, by that pronouncement. It's because he said I could be saved by saying Jesus is Lord. He could have made whatever dictation to us to do to be saved. He could have said, jump on one leg for five hours and prove you mean it, Bubba. He could have said, do all of it. It's only his choice to make it saved by faith. Are you listening? He could have been like every demon of false religions that say, give me blood sacrifice. Sacrifice children. Uh, Pray towards a rock that I've sent you from the sky five times a day. Die in war and prove it to me. Are you listening? But it's out of his love and grace that says, the rebellion is so great they can never make it up. My death pays the price. Here's all I want from this humanity. A white flag of surrender. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess, Jesus is Lord. Those who do it now, he says, are saved. You are not a people, but now you are a people. Look at what Deuteronomy says to the people of God. He starts off with Israel, but then he puts it to, to us. So now that means the promise of Israel comes to us, and we pray for them to inherit the land, and we'll rule and reign together with them in Israel. Deuteronomy 7, 6, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors. And that is still to us because he said to, said to Abraham, I will bless you and all your descendants. And we know that from Abraham also came pagan descendants, the Ishmaelites. He said, all people will be blessed through you and redeem you from the land of slavery, from the power of the king of Egypt. Now know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love. What kind of covenant does he keep? A covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. If you are a chosen people, can I hear an amen in the house of God today? Come on, now say it like you mean it. Can I hear an amen? We are the people of God, not because we first chose him, but he chose us. Look at Titus 2.14 in the New Testament. Paul continuing on with that thought that we heard in Ephesians, who gave himself for us to redeem us, literally to buy us back from slavery, from all wickedness. Now you stop right here and tell me I ain't preaching what Paul's saying. He said to redeem us from all what? What have you been redeemed from? Being cute and cuddly, what have you been redeemed from? Wickedness. And to what? Purify for himself a people that are his very own. And how do I know all of this has happened? Because they are eager to do what is Boom. Get you some of that. Be eager to do good. Why? Because you've been redeemed. You've been set free. You've been bought with a price. See, that relieves me from works-based righteousness. It relieves me from a works-based relationship that I have to prove it to him. No, he redeemed me from my wickedness when I was at my worst. So that means if God saved me in my sin, that means he'll save me from my sin even as a Christian. So sin is not the the differentiation really between sinners and saints. It's the decision of humility or pride. There's a difference. Yes, I may sin as a Christian, and I may do something that I have to repent of, but the idea is, do I know who I am? Do I know whose I am? That I belong to him? And am I eager to do what is good? Are you eager to do what is good? Revelation 5, 9 through 10, the end of the book, somebody go, ooh. And they sang a new song. There's going to be a new song we're going to all sing in heaven. And what are we going to sing? 
You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. We're singing this to Jesus. Because you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. It goes from just being a sheep in the house to now being a sheep made a son to be made a king. What does the world have to offer you in, in comparison to that? Come on. <clears throat> Let me ask you guys a question. Everybody look up at me, please. What does the world give us in comparison to that? Bible says you trade your soul for one thing or another. You either give your soul up for the kingdom and receive eternal rewards, or you give it up for your life and you lose it all in the end. What better opportunity do we have on this earth? The only thing people have, and I debated with an atheist, and we're doing a 301 class, and he'll be in the class pretty soon. I'll be using him as an example, and you guys can listen to it, and I've debated all kinds of people. But listen to me. The only other option you have right here is just say, I, I just don't believe it. I came from a monkey from the, from the goo through the zoo to you. I mean, it, okay, so you just throw away purpose and meaning altogether. That's really your only other option. That's honestly what he says. There is no purpose. He believes in evolutionary reliableism. Because evolution is true, I can rely upon my senses. And I said, because of your ability to rely upon your senses, that's proof evolution isn't true. Rocks don't reason. Matter doesn't have a mind. And nothing can't create something. Are you listening? God made us in his image. We sinned against him. But he dies for our sins to make us his possession. And yet he gives us the choice to whether or not we come and do it. I think that's what Paul was saying. You kind of get that? I think that's what Paul is telling us. And he's saying, now that we are these people, it is such a great privilege. And so it should compel us to go out and preach and do good works and Fight for what is right against the devil, not against flesh and blood, as he says in Ephesians chapter 6. And for husbands and wives to get along and for children to be raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And as we go through the book, we'll learn that we're to take off the old and put on the new. And we're to put aside all of those things of the flesh. And it's all because of what God has done in our lives. It's because he chose us, and he has a plan for us. And when we simply stop trying to swim against the flow, the river was awesome. It was wonderful the day I stopped swimming against the flow of God. Now I'm in his mighty river. Come on, how many are in the river of God? In closing today, as Adam comes, look at what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2.14, and get this down in your spirit today. He called you to this salvation through our gospel. Paul says, you guys have been saved, just like in Ephesians, just like how we were saved, when you believe the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. But catch this here. So that you may possess the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm so happy I'm preaching up here because y'all watching him and you missed him. Y'all just missed him. He says, I... I got a revy for you guys. The thing that's possessed you, you now possess. Love has possessed you. Now you possess love. It's for the glory of God. Power grabbed a hold of your heart the day you were converted. Now power is inside of you. The mind of Christ is what convicted you through the Holy Spirit. Now you possess the mind of Christ. Joy is what many of us saw when we were backsliders, because I was a backslider, and it's what possessed us to search out Christianity. It's why I called up my mom when I was on drugs, and I said, this ain't working anymore. And she said, you need Jesus. And I actually believed her, because I had seen joy in the Christian world. I had seen my parents love each other through hardships, and I understood there was a joy that this world could not give me, and only God had. And the Bible says, I've been possessed by joy, and now I possess joy. 
You've been saved by the gospel so that now you may possess yourself the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the glory of God is all that mankind has ever needed. It was in Hebrew, the kabod that carried us and clothed us in the garden. It was the glory of God that the priest longed for in the temple. It was the glory of God that was there in the most holy of holy place over the Ark of the Covenant. It was that place that David said, better is one day here than a thousand days elsewhere. David said, oh, that I may be in the place of God where God is on his holy mountain. Zion is figurative language in the Old Testament of where the glory of God dwells. He said, oh, that I may be on Mount Zion to be in his presence, to graze upon his beauty and of choir of his wisdom. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, he that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not sworn deceitfully or lifted up their soul to an idol, they shall receive the blessing, the glory of the Lord. Bible says in Christianity, what has possessed us, we now possess. And by the Holy Spirit, we go from glory to glory to glory. We are possessed by the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit is our possession. We now can say, I am his, and he is mine. Where he is, I am, and where I am, he is also. Would you stand to your feet? Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Would you come quickly? Let's close out today praying and worshiping. Lord, help us to understand the great revelation you've given us. The revelation of your love. The revelation of your grace. Right now, if you doubt the love of God, that's rebellion. Humble yourself. You are not a sinner that God does not love. For you to say, I am the kind of sinner that God does not love is actually rebellion against him. It is not humility. It is pride. Repent of it right now and just confess with your mouth. It doesn't matter how you've been abused, how you've been hurt, how you've been let down. If you don't believe God loves you, you reject that right now. Throw up your hands and say, I know he loves me. Those of you who are in this place right now, that battle with condemnation, raise up your hands as well with them and say, I know he loves me. The cross shows me his love. Those of you right now battling with sin, sin is what you do when you don't understand the love of God. Sin is what you do when the love of God does not satisfy you. Sin is what you do when you don't know what you possess in God. If you're struggling with this sin, raise your hand right now and say, I will believe. I will believe I am holy and blameless because of his love. Those of you dealing with loneliness, depression, anxiety, any kind of self-loathing, raise up your hands. Come on. I'm going to hit on something where everybody's got to get their hands raised up eventually. So you can start early if you want. But come on, if you need to experience that love, raise up your hands because you have self-hated. You have loathed. You have let depression. You have let anxiety come into your heart. The Bible says do not be anxious about anything, but with supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which transcends sends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would you two hold hands? I want to pray for a blessing over this relationship, a blessing over your marriage, a blessing over your daughter and the coming together of this family. Come on. Keep praying right now. I want to see somebody get a taste of the love of God today. A tenacious love of God. The love of God today. It's not just a creek or a stream. The love of God today is like Niagara Falls. It is powerful. It is wide. It is deep. It will ravish your heart today. You'll never be the same. Now today, if you want to affirm your commitment to God, let us all raise up our hands and say, I am his, and he is mine. I am his, and he is mine. Would you sing that out, Adam? Come on, prophetically. I am his. And he is mine. And he is mine. And nothing can separate me from his love. Jesus, sing it out today. Let depression be gone from you right now. Depression be gone from you right now. Let every belief of low self-esteem, condemnation be gone from you right now. The love of God. The love of God. Just a few more moments. 
Come on, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the devil who lies to many of you. Keeps you living without the glory of God. You need the glory of God, friends. Our nation needs the glory of God. Jesus, transform lives. Transform hearts. Transform lives. Transform hearts. In the name of Jesus. Before we go right now, Adam's going to keep playing. I want you to think about three ways right now that you can demonstrate. Be eager to do what's good as you walk out these doors with the love of God. Come on, what are three things you can do to impact this world with the love of God? What are three ways you can do it? Some of you can join life groups that you haven't joined yet. Some of you on your job tomorrow, you can take out a coworker that you know is always negative and just take them out for lunch and just say, I know we don't talk about church and those things at job, at the, at the job, but I want to talk to you about Jesus and why he makes me smile. Come on. Come on. What are three ways you can impact this world with the love of God? The love of God can change our lives. And I am yours and you are mine. And I am yours and you are mine. Come on, a few moments. I'm just going to sing, but I need you all to pray. Come on. And I am yours and you are mine. Sing it the way I'm singing it up high. I want to bring it up. Whoa, come on. You and you are mine. Come on. Help me sing it. Come on. And I am yours, and you are mine. Come on, pray. Breakthrough right now. Breakthrough. And I am yours, and you are mine. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Yes, and I am yours, and you are mine. Sing the chorus hard and high. Now, go. Come on. Jesus. 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 Jesus, 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 right now, Jesus, yes, yes, right now, right now, right now, right now, Jesus. Jesus, 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 hallelujah. Would you look up at me before we go? I want to tell you what I hear in my heart. I hear in my heart and I can see it in my mind's eye and I hope that you can see it as I describe it today. Think about those first disciples going out to preach after the day of Pentecost. They were so full of the love of God that they could not keep it in. But yet when they encountered wickedness, they confronted it, yes, in love, but they were truthful with people to the point, use your mind's eyes. I'm going to keep mine closed just because I, I don't want to be distracted. To the point that the Bible says there was a man named Stephen who is preaching with all of his heart. His face is shining like an angel. And yet the world takes up stones to kill him. What I feel that so many of you deal with is like you get hype, you get excited, you want to go preach, you want to go have the face of an angel, you want to go be in the glory of God, but you meet the resistance of the world and then you think it's strange. My friends, persecution and resistance is not strange. You are in a battle of love. You are in a battle of kingdoms. One for the world, one for God, one for Jesus, one under the God of this age, Satan. And we don't fight with flesh and blood, so we don't pick up swords. But I just want to tell you, don't get discouraged. When they pick up stones to stone you, when they hurl insults at you, when they mock you on TV shows, when your friends put you down and say, how can you not support this? This is this. This is mean. How do you not believe this is okay? You know, don't fall for it.
Because you know what? If Stephen never would have died... Philip never would have uh, Philip would have never went to Samaria and so literally we didn't die we multiplied Augustine and the brothers of the early church uh, or Tertullian rather said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the gospel that's why the church is growing in China now it's growing in the Middle East God moves when there's resistance because those who have the gospel they show forth a real love not a religious love but a real love and when Philip went to Samaria revival came so as we say revival or resistance we're still going amen would you just raise up your hands in closings and say Jesus you're worth it you're worth it, God. You're worth it, God. You've possessed me. Now I possess you. You've bought me with a price. And now may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Ishmael, will you close us out in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, your love. It is your love that motivated you to send your son. Jesus, you took the cross for the sins of humanity and now you call us your sons your daughters your brothers your sisters god and we are good only because you've made us good i pray lord that we show and we shine our goodness on this world through preaching the gospel boldly unashamedly i am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of jesus christ lord we come out of our shame and we preach you, Lord. Every day, God, every moment, every word we say, every thought we think, every motive we have, let it be filtered by the gospel. We love the gospel. Father God, I pray, use us, use us, use us, use us. Come on, say, use me, use me, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. to forget what you've done help us never to forget what you've done never God let it be our lives God even if it cost us our lives whatever it costs Lord our money our families whatever it costs we lay it down God use us this week and every day of our lives in Jesus name we pray amen come on